Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg at Power Systems Design. Now, a crucial step in the engineering workflow is real-time testing with hardware-in-the-loop simulation. It comes after system-level simulation, but before final hardware design is decided, and it's become especially important with the increased demand for renewable energy in electric and hybrid vehicles. And if by one estimate, wind and solar will account for 33% of the world's electricity by 2050, and electric vehicles will reach 35 million units by 2030, then hardware-in-the-loop simulation is about to become indispensable. Now, the MathWorks has a lot to say on this subject, given that their Simulink software and speaker real-time uh, hardware systems are such an important part of the process. And on today's show, we've got the technical marketing manager at MathWorks, Tony Lennon, and he's here to talk about these issues and more. Tony, uh, thanks for joining us. And let me start by asking you, why is hardware-in-the-loop simulation so important for power electronics? Well, Jason, first, thank you for having me on this podcast. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you. So hardware-in-the-loop simulation is important for testing the power electronic control systems themselves. And, and by controls, I mean the digital control, the embedded software that's you know, running on a microcontroller or an FPGA. Um, the control operations of these systems and machines that use power electronics is becoming much more complex. You're going to see a, a much layered uh, control strategy involving feedback control, supervisory logic, fault detection strategies that are, are important for the safe and, and efficient operation of this kind of equipment. Um, in hardware-in-the-loop simulation, the idea is you're replacing the actual power electronic systems um, with a, a real-time simulation model. Um, the simulation model can contain, you know, the power source, uh, load, um, uh, passive and active element, um, everything but the control algorithms. So the power electronic controller that runs the control algorithms can be connected to this real-time simulation. You know, then engineers can use this kind of setup to run all the scenarios representing normal and abnormal conditions without having to worry that they could damage an expensive hardware prototype or create a situation that could be harmful to test personnel due to that they may be dealing with pretty high voltage and currents in these systems. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I mentioned electric and hybrid vehicles in, in, my, uh, in my intro and uh, renewable energy. Um, so how, how are those things driving demand, the, the demand for horror in the loop simulation? Well, let's start by saying, you know, these, these kinds of systems really depend on power electronics for converting electricity in them. Um, uh, some examples, like a solar inverter, you know, it, these, um, this is a piece of equipment that um, is connected to all the solar panels um, in the system, and it's taking DC electricity and converting that into elect AC electricity, but at the same time trying to um, match the, the voltage and frequency of the grid it's connected to, and that's all done with power electronics. Um, wind turbines, uh, the same way. Uh, if you have like a direct drive wind turbine, um, it's trying to, it's rotating, right? And um, the power electronics in there are, again, converting that electricity to match the, the grid of voltage and frequency. Uh, there's also equipment um, that goes along with renewable. Um, it's part of the transmission system 
system, um, something like a, a static compensator, which is there for uh, making sure that the, the grid stays stable through voltage and frequency support. Um, often renewable energy, such as an offshore um, wind farm, is connected um, to the mainland and to population centers by high voltage DC systems, and those are all power electronics um, systems, converting the electricity from AC to DC, then back to AC. Um, so these are, again, in the renewable space, there's lots of power electronic applications. Uh, now, in electric vehicles, um, I kind of joke and say they're, they're basically rolling battery systems. Um, and the power electronics is responsible for converting that DC electricity uh, to drive AC electric motors in, in the car. Um, so that being said, you know, as I said before, it's, it's great practice um, as you're beginning to test your controllers to test on a real-time system versus um, you know, damaging an expensive prototype or, you know, just finding mistakes that, um, you know, using hardware, it's very hard to trace back. Using simulation, it's, it's a lot easier. Um, you know, and it's just, in some cases, it's just more practical. I mean, it's really hard to um, simulate a whole solar farm with a, a fairly high power solar inverter um, to test a controller, right? I mean, it's a hard to simulate, but it's, if you had to do that in real life, you can't always, you know, generate the kind of situations um, that would be necessary to test the controller completely. Right. Now, when it comes to hardware in the loop, what are some of the trade-offs between simulation speed and model complexity? Yeah, this is really the, um, that's a good question because it's, it's, really at the heart of doing hardware in the loop testing that um, you have to pay attention to this. So as I said, you're, you're actually taking, you know, an electrical system and you're, you're converting it um, using a, a simulation model, as you mentioned earlier. You convert that into a real-time simulation using code generation. You know, you generate C code or HDL, depending on um, if you're going to run this um, system on a, a microcontroller or an FPGA or even a combination of both. Now, because you're representing that as a simulation model, there's, a, there's a underlying mathematics to that simulation. Um, the more complex your mathematics are, the slower your simulation is going to run. It's just the nature of, you know, you're just running a more complex computation. Um, there's more calculations occurring. Um, I like to use a couple of examples to um, illustrate this, right? Let's use the um, controlling um, a permanent synchronous motor, right, uh, PMSM. Um, this is what's pretty common in electric vehicles. They're common through probably throughout your house and your appliances, um, you know, in washing machines, that type of thing. Now, to develop the controls for that, um, I could model that motor um, and the inverter, the power electronics part of it, um, using simple models where what was called, I'd be using average value inverter calculations. I'd use a lump parameter motor model. Um, those are fairly uh, straightforward, you know, differential equation type models. Um, and for doing control design, they're perfectly acceptable. Um, they would, um, you know, if I was doing a, an appliance uh, motor, probably that's as complex as I really need to get um, in, in that. And, and that, that simulation would run, you know, quite fast because the mathematics aren't that complex. Now, let's take um, the same idea of this um, PMSM and apply it to electric vehicle. In that case, 
um, as a vehicle designer, I'm really concerned about my mileage. I'm really trying to get as much mileage from this battery charge as possible. In that case, I'd be more concerned about some of the losses that I'm going to see in the system. So I might add more complexity to um, both my motor model and my inverter model where the power electronics exist. Um, if, for those who are aware, um, when we say power electronics, we're often talking about an IGBT or a MOSFET, which are essentially um, power semiconductor switchers. They turn on and off. Um, in the previous example, when I say average value, I'm really not concerned about the on-off behavior. Uh, but in this um, other um, example of an electric vehicle, I might be concerned about the switching, the on-off behavior, and what that's doing in terms of creating heat, creating losses, um, maybe harmonics um, that are affecting the um, overall efficiency of the vehicle. So in that case, I'm going to try to use um, a more complex um, simulation model. I'll generate the code, but when I run that in an HIL system, it, it could run slower. I've really got to look at um, you know, the type of processor I use. Um, I might want to move some of the calculations over to the, an FPGA, which has much higher processing speed and could get um, me to where I want. Now, to be fair, that's not everybody needs to model and simulate switching behavior. Even in car manufacturers, they could use the simpler models to do some of the control development. But again, it really depends on you know what your goal is and, and what kind of physics um, you need to look at uh, when you're doing your simulation. Right, right. Now, we, we've talked about uh, electric and hybrid vehicles a lot. So other than those, what are some of the future applications that will be well served by hover-in-the-loop simulation? Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, the whole um, move to power electronics has been happening for decades, right? What is happening um, in the last decade um, is the using more of what they call the wide band gap power electronics. Um, these are gallium nitride, um, silicon, carb sil silicon carbide. Um, these, um, yeah, you're, you're probably familiar with these. Um, these have um, much more, um, they have higher power capability, they, they can take higher temperature, um, and you can run them at a higher frequency. And what this is, does is it leads to a more efficient system because your, um, your other components become smaller. Um, you don't have to have as larger inductors and capacitors. Um, and for applications that are going to depend on battery technology, another area that, you know, is growing in, in, um, for the use of, um, you know, in power tools, cars, everything. Um, you'll get more more life out of batteries. Um, so any application that's going to move towards um, these new wideband gap um, app, um, semiconductors are going to um, probably benefit from HIL, right, from hardware-in-the-loop testing, uh, because the control strategies are probably going to be a little bit more sophisticated. Um, they're going to have to do more, more monitoring of temperature effects of what's happening in the circuit as they run at higher frequencies. So again, you don't want to start testing on um, real hardware systems just to find out you've, you've, you have a mistake in your control code and you damage something. Now, 
where you'll probably see these because you asked actual application. The transportation industry itself is really taking um, advantage of this trend in electrification. Um, electric vehicles are just a start. Um, you're seeing this um, in aircraft. I mean, you might hear the term more electric aircraft. And what um, the industry is doing is um, replacing a lot of um, hydromechanical systems or this um, kind of fixed frequency systems to put in full power converters um, right off the turbines themselves. And they can supply more electricity to other systems um, throughout the, um, the aircraft. And that's making it more efficient. It's lowering the weight. It's allowing um, the aircraft to um, take more advantage of electrical systems themselves, and um, you're just getting more fuel efficiency. Um, ships have always been moving towards more electric um, propulsion. Um, most cruise ships are, you know, the thrusters are all electric-driven motors. Uh, but again, what you're doing is you're getting more efficiencies there. Um, and so. Anytime, again, you're using power electronics, it's going to probably drive the need um, to do HIL testing. Um, I'm even, you know, I, I like to talk about this myself. My, my front load washing machine, um, right on it, it says inverter control. It's full of power electronics. And, you know, if you watch the spin cycles, how complex they are, I mean, clearly there's a lot of um, control software in there where it would probably benefit um, an appliance manufacturer to look at HIL as a way of testing those controllers before, you know, firing up, you know, a real washing machine, though they may have them, but they can run through much more test scenarios. They can automate all that. So it's not a, man, a matter of a person standing there and setting up test after test. They could just sequence all the different tests and, and use the HIL system. So those are, those are some good examples of why HIL is going to be more important. No, oh, excellent. Well, well, thanks, Tony. Um, on behalf of PSD, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe and healthy out there, and have a great day. Thanks.